Hey friends, welcome back to You Pretend World's Real People. As always, I'm Tyler. And if I sound a little more uh, uh, Jeff Bridges or Jensen Ackles for this recording, it's because I'm battling allergies due to a lot of smoke just flying through the air here in Colorado. Not mad about it, outside of the occasional runny nose. I think it's worth it if I can hang on to this voice. But outside of that, it's been a great week. Managed to book a couple of gigs that I'm super excited about. One of them might be pushed, so uh, if that's the case, I'm not going to take my time off request from work back. I'm just going to take the entire week of the 4th of July off and really enjoy it. I can't remember the last time. Oh, man. I can't remember the last time that I didn't work a 4th of July holiday week or weekend. So this should be a lot of fun. I will say, for this intro, if I'm going to say anything, that I implore all of you to find time to decompress. As, <laughs> as a self-proclaimed and uh, I guess labeled workaholic, I've realized that it's really hard to find time for yourself if you don't make it happen. So I will say to all of you, if you have time to, to decompress or the chance to decompress, take it. Last week, I, I decided to just say yes to the universe and we ended up riding on these uh, origami kayaks on a lake here in uh, northern Colorado. And it was so much fun. I was at complete peace. And these things are, you know, you think origami kayak, it's going to sink. No, they're super durable. <laughs> they float, which I guess is, you know, it goes without saying. But still, it was super comfortable, super durable. I had so much fun riding those. And, you know, you got a little steady state cardio in there. But you were also able to relax and just take in nature. So, uh, Oru Kayak, not a sponsor, but I'm open to it. <laughs> if you want to check those out, they're at their Oru Kayaks. And they are just so much fun. But yeah, uh, going back to the decompression thing, if you can find the time within yourself, because that's come from you, find time to decompress. Do something you enjoy that doesn't involve your work because it's going to make you so much happier. Never thought about it, honestly, before, because I am I am somebody who just dives into work. But honestly, I, I'm, I'm digging it. It's a lot of fun. So we'll see what this next week has in store. But let's get down after that long TED Talk to the real reason why you are here listening to this episode. I had a chance to sit down with the wonderful Alex Brima. He's a Canadian-based actor he may have caught in The Exorcist, Man in the High Castle, Supernatural, The 100, Riverdale, or my personal favorite, Resident Alien. He also has an animated series coming out on Netflix later this year called Daniel Spellbound, so keep an eye out for that. And he is just an incredibly driven performer. He spent the last 10 years building his career and as you can see, based off of his resume and things you may recognize him from, it is paying off. He has nothing but great things ahead of him. Had a chance to talk about his upbringing, what it's like really focusing on your career in the first 10 years, and managing that drive and that devotion. And, you know, what he does to decompress, which does involve playing Mario Kart. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's sit down with Alex Brima. Hi, uh, my name is Alex Barima. I am an actor uh, based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. I've been an actor for just just over 10 years and uh, mainly in film and TV. And uh, yeah, just been a great ride so far. Uh, most recent titles include uh, Resident Alien season one and two, um, Riverdale not so long ago, and uh, a couple of upcoming projects that uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be, mentioning in the near future i, I hope <laughs> pretty much it yeah you've dude you've been crushing it the last time oh, thank like you just, <laughs> just <laughs> like going from co-star to to reoccurring to you know regular you just da, 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 da. yeah just like they're climbing climbing that that good old ladder you know <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a high one it's a high yeah ladder. and i i mean most people have said it but it feels like once you get to a certain step on the ladder, you're still looking for the next step, right? Like there's never, well, a there's no zone. end to it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I can't think of a single person I know who's like really happy with, with where they are and what they're doing. And I, that includes like people I know who are almost, if not already A-listers and things like that. So I, every time you talk to an actor who's working, who's working in acting as their main job, it's always the same thing. You never know where your next job's coming. So the, 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 the search never ends. You know, it's like 
some people will criticize famous actors for doing certain movies and like, why did they do that? Why did they do that? I'm like, you do not have the same bills that these people have. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These people need these millions of dollars to pay wages, to pay mortgages, to pay God knows what, like you don't know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Anyway, it's, that's just the, uh, (laughs) I mean, look at Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Pardon me? (laughs) Look at Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, look at anyone. It's like, you know, so many um, A-listers do commercials. And it's like, why, why, would, why would they do that? It's like, because they can make millions of dollars in a single day. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's so that's true. <laughs> George, George Clooney, like, loves coffee that much? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I completely forgot he has a coffee company. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sam Jackson does insurance. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? It's... it's of course they do it. Of course they do it. Nobody thinks about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I, I'm <clears throat> curious, man, because you've, um, I think you're uh, probably like a year older than me. And we've been <clears throat> in the industry for about the same amount of time. Of course, you know, different regions, different, different countries for the most Have part. Have you been based in Colorado mostly? Uh, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was okay. just until this last year where I started to venture out into like LA, New Mexico. And, you know, I'm oh, really okay. trying to gun for it. But uh, I'm just curious, man, like what, what got you into this? There's always a story behind that, but did you always know that you wanted to be a performer or was it something you fell into? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, No, I've always wanted to be in a film TV actor specifically. Um, Since I, since I I don't remember ever wanting to do anything else. Um, You know, my parents were, my parents always knew like I, I liked to perform and, they were okay with it. I was a kid. Um, they, but they were, my parents are immigrants. They're from uh, the Ivory Coast. They didn't meet there, but that's another story. Anyway, um, they're both from there. I was born in Montreal. And um, yeah, I was always into TV. Like I, the, my earliest memories are sitting in front of a TV. You know, just like, that's, I think that's how I learned to speak English because I don't speak English with my family. Um, they're, they're from a French country. So, and then I grew up in Montreal, but I was in an English part of the city. So well, the, city, the island. So, um, I had, a, I had English speaking friends growing up, but at home, I never spoke English with anyone. I was just watching TV all the time. So I don't remember ever not being able to speak English either. Um, and so I, you know, just watched TV and I was like, I want to do that. I don't think anyone even had to explain me that it was a job. Like I just understood. I just, it's it just something that I understood immediately when I saw it, I was like, Oh, I can, I, I, I want to do it. And I know I can do it. And I don't know where that came from, but uh, then, you know, I grew up, uh, grew up still wanting to do it. That's all. That was always my main focus. My parents were very academically inclined when it came to my schooling and, you know, the decisions that came with, um, my 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 career path and around the time I turned 16 um I I think they started getting the message a bit more clearly my mom was especially worried my father thought I would grow out of it but when it wasn't happening he was like yeah whatever (laughs) my mom my mom got really concerned and she was like, you know, you you really got to think about this it's you need to choose something that you can actually make a living off of because my, my parents went through their fair share of financial struggle and they really didn't want me to, to go through that, which is understandable. Um, and after a couple of long talks and, and raised voices and whatever, um, I, I stood my ground. I said, no, 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 this is what I'm going to do. And that's it. And overnight, my mom was like, all right and then she signed me up for this talent search thing and then she she brought me and my brother to this to this cattle call and she's like well if you're gonna do it like let's go and uh no she's been extremely supportive ever since and both both my parents have been like unequivocally supportive of this career and this not not just since it started going well obviously like since i before i before i even finished high school they were like all right well whatever we're not going to like, you're, you're about to be an adult in a couple of years. We can't just, we can't control you. We've, <laughs> yeah. we've tried. It's not working. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So when I was 16, I did that, that cattle call. Um, and I met a talent manager from Los Angeles who told me, um, 
well, first he was like, yeah, you're good. Um, you need to get out of Montreal as soon as you can. Um, go to Toronto or Vancouver. And being from Montreal, I was extremely averse to the idea of living in Toronto. So I was oh, like, really? <laughs> I'm not going to live in the like Toronto version of what I'm in now, which is a huge city that just gets so freaking cold during the winter. And I already thought Montreal was too big for me and Toronto was even bigger. So, and I, you know, I, I didn't drive or anything like that. So I was just busting everywhere, just a pain in the ass. And I was like, Vancouver always sounded cool to me. It was a place that I never thought I would end up going because it's so far away, right? It's like the yeah. New York, LA equivalent. <laughs> so I was like, that's so far. Like, why would I ever go there? Los Angeles, I was open to, but, but Vancouver, I was curious, but I was like, oh, maybe one day I'll get to visit or whatever. And when he said, oh, there's a huge film industry over there, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Because I had known for a number of years, because I watch a lot of cartoons, that uh, there was a big, big uh, voice acting uh, scene here. And that was something that I always wanted to get into as well. So all the, all the signs started pointing towards Vancouver. So I'm, I kind of had my, I, I set my, my sights on Vancouver around 16, 17 years old. And then I think it was three years, four years later, I moved here. And uh, yeah, and then, and then just did, a, did an acting program here, a full-time acting program uh, for six months, graduated that. And then yeah, just been steadily trying to get the next job ever since, you know? Yeah, have you, I mean, yeah. of course, when you're starting out, I'm sure you had to pick up a, a job to pay, you know, some of your bills, but have you had to go oh, yeah, to yeah, a day yeah. job? Oh, um, so when I, before I could even move here, I had to work full time. So all my friends went to college. So in Quebec, there's a, Quebec is the province uh, mm -hmm. where Montreal is. So in Quebec, we have a different education system from the rest of the country, whereas they'll go, most places will do grade 12 will be the last year of high school. And then you can go straight to university or college. And then Ontario, I think, has a grade 13. Uh, we have a kind of a mix of that. So we graduate high school in grade 11. And then we have two years of post-secondary to do before we can go to university. So we end up doing 12 and 13 somewhere else, but in a more specialized uh, context. So I did that. So I graduated high school, grade 11. I did, I, I got a theater degree, well, degree, diploma, uh, post-secondary diploma. And then after all my friends got their post-secondary degrees, they all went to, to college and I didn't. So I stayed in Montreal for a year and I worked uh, in customer service. I worked in a call center and I just kind of saved my money. Then I got another student loan and then I moved here. And then when I came here, I blew all my savings in like four months or something like that. It was, Holy crap. I mean, Vancouver's really expensive. Uh, and it was, it was very expensive even when I moved here. But thinking back on it, I'm just like, how did I spend all that money? Like, I mean, the, the school was expensive, but I had, I had extra money. I had a lot of money saved and yeah. I thought it would last me a lot longer than that, but I just wasn't very smart at the time I was 20. So I was like, whatever, I'm rich. <laughs> So, so, yeah, I don't uh, know. I went through so much money. I mean, we were we were going out every week, just nonstop. It was it was great. It was so much fun. And then when I ran out of money, it wasn't as fun anymore. Um, I I think the worst job I did was I worked. So you've eaten in a food court, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know how it is down there, but one thing I never realized in my entire life of going to malls and eating in food courts is that there are people there who are working there and who are going around the food court cleaning it up oh yeah never i never even registered these people until i became one. Oh god <laughs> then i was like oh my god this is and and you know what at the end of the day like i think that no there, there are no bad jobs but this job was very it was difficult, like uh, mentally, especially, and, and just spiritually, I suppose. And if if the wage had reflected that, I don't think I would have hated it so much. But it was very, like, the pay was extremely low. It was damn near minimum wage. And I was like, yo, this work is way too 
inconvenient and and difficult for for these people to be making so little money it it didn't feel right at all but you know I was 20 I worked there for two weeks it was horrible it was horrible like just the the garbages fill up every 10 five to ten minutes so you're going around collecting garbages and they and they separate the tasks between men and women uh, like men have to go around emptying the garbage cans and take them down to the massive chute so you're you've got a giant wheelbarrow full of trash and you're doing this all day you're just you're just smelling like absolute dirt and you're going down this elevator you're wheeling the trash out you're dumping it you're coming back you yeah you smell awful um and then at the end of the night you got to go behind every restaurant in the food court and collect their trash for the day and that is just like oh what yeah it's and again like it's it's a job that needs to be done and i respect that i'm just like jesus like pay these people or hire children like like i hate i hate seeing grown grown adults like especially you know you know you know how it is out here yeah a lot of people who come from a different country don't have many options so they end up taking jobs that people who are from that country don't want and i've worked a few of those jobs and you know i'm not an immigrant but i am black so um there are con- there are contexts and situations where I find myself surrounded by other people, other ethnic minorities, and I know that because I'm Canadian, I have much more opportunity than what than where I'm at at the moment because I I, I know what this job is to me. It's not it's a means to an end. It's not my it's not what I'm using to to. To, you know, to, to get my life together or to, to, to sort out my finances. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm working here, but I'm also at the same time, every time I'm also working on my career. Yeah. So the better my career goes, the less I need to, to work, to work another job. And I've been fortunate to figure out my stuff well enough over the last four or five years that I haven't, uh, since, since I did the exorcist, I guess I haven't worked a, a, a second job. But that being said, I came pretty close um, between The Exorcist and Man in the High Castle because once you do, once you go from doing like guest stars to doing recurring guest stars, uh, almost series regulars like The Exorcist, after that, you kind of move up a weight class, if you will, quote unquote. And so, yeah, you're the you're the smallest fish in the pond all over again. So I didn't. I didn't book anything after the exorcist until I did, I did two days on uh blue book. And then I did, and then I got man in the high castle. I was, I was literally a month away from having to go back to a day job. <laughs> and, and then I got man in the high castle and then I f- started, well, I, I, I got a uh, um, voice representation. So I'd, I'd been voice acting for a number of years before that, but I didn't have a dedicated uh, voice agent. So I uh, figured that out uh, in like 2018, and yeah, and then it's been it's been much better since then. So I've had oh, good. had to diversify a little yeah. bit, <laughs> but it's cool because I I I enjoy voice acting more than on screen acting to tell you the truth. So really, what why yeah. why is that? Um, it's just the nature of how I enjoy performing. Um, hmm. I'm as much as I love acting in film. I'm not a huge fan of rehearsals, so plays for me are very hard to get engaged with. Um, I just like, for me, the first time is often the truest time, you know. So yeah, <laughs> with voice acting, what's great is that uh, there is no rehearsal process. You know, you get in there, you've read the script, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. You get in there and you just read it as many times until you get it sounding right and then move on like a voice acting a long day in voice acting is like four hours and then if it goes beyond four hours i think the i think you start making overtime so yeah (laughs) which is amazing for four hours on film on a film set is like did did we even come here like what what? yeah they're still getting the lighting set up for exactly exactly and don't get me wrong like i i love i love love doing film and tv but yeah I, i don't enjoy waking up early um i i get 
I don't get bored fast. I get sleepy fast. So if I'm, oh, no. if, yeah, if I'm waiting around <laughs> a bunch, I've got no problem with that, but I will start getting tired. And, uh, and, and, you know, I, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's a lot of logistical maneuvers, you know, like oftentimes you have to get yourself somewhere pretty far and there's, you get, it, it, there's, there's a lot of physical components involved with film that just aren't there in voice with voice. It's just your one instrument. And if your voice is good, you can look like absolute ass and it's fine. <laughs> we'll get it done. And uh, yeah, I, I just, and like I said, I grew up watching cartoons. I always, always gravitated towards that stuff. And then being, having the, the good fortune to be a part of the very, very talented uh, Vancouver voice acting scene is, uh, it's really a privilege because I, there's a lot of people that I've gotten to work with that I would, would listen to as like a 12, 13 year old. And wow, you know, 13, I don't know, my math is awful. Uh, <laughs> almost 18 years later. Um, yeah, I'm getting to work with those, with those same people and they're fantastic. So yeah, I, I'd say, Things are things are going pretty well on that front, especially. Yeah, I think my voice career is probably doing a bit better than my film career at the moment. But you know, it's film. It's, it always comes and goes. Yeah, and whatever. It's an ebb and flow too. Exactly. Mainly ebbs. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. yep. I mean, speaking of cartoons, though, because I, I mean, I, I think most of the listeners too. You know, we grew up watching cartoons, idolizing people in cartoons or characters in cartoons. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain property that you haven't worked on yet that you'd love to be a part of maybe it's like a reboot or just maybe even a um a company you'd like to work with um well i would like to do more anime but the problem with anime is it's adr and the pay is not very good um so it is fun like i i I enjoy it tremendously i've only worked on one anime series um so far i did zoids zoids wild um it was amazing but it was definitely a very very steep learning curve for me um like it's so much i shouldn't say harder but it is i think it is harder it's harder to do adr than to do a prelay which is oh yeah the dialogue before uh they animate it because when you do prelay you have a lot of freedom in the performance and you can you can really go for the intention and and just perform whatever sound whatever rings true to you whereas in adr the the image is already there and it's already been done and you have to match what the character's mouth flaps are doing so you have to be able to read the script, time your line, and see that you're you're matching the right energy and flaps and, and things like that. And there's so much more of it usually. Like we would do Zoids Wild and we'd do, you know, we'd do four or five episodes a day of just my character. So when you do ADR, you're just going by yourself, which voice has kind of turned into now because of COVID. But it used to be if you're doing prelay, everybody would do the session together, which makes for a much more organic sounding show. Um but yeah, I would go in there and I'd do like two, three hours of, of Zoids and, you know, I'd walk out with a, a third of the pay I would have made, maybe less if I'd done um, some, some prelay. Wow. But that being said, like, yeah, I, w- I would still love to work on any, any anime, I, any anime adaptation that I like. Um, I would love to do some voice on that, but we don't really get much anime up here anymore. Most mm-hmm. of it goes through Funimation. I think they're based in like Texas now or something. Oh wow! So and <clears throat> they do great work, but um, if I were to pick a pick something like pick a Western property, I really don't know. I'm I'm trying to think something like yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I was a big fan of Fillmore growing up. If they brought that back, that would oh, be pretty I cool. Not about Fillmore. <laughs> yeah, Fillmore. Fillmore. That'd be a lot of fun. Cool as heck. I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I, w- I would have loved when I when I was younger when I when I started acting I was like I hope I get to read for a live action film or that would be dope now I'm way too old <laughs> way too old dude was already in middle school or whatever and when I was 20 I was pushing it but now I'm like nah it's the dream's dead yeah you've, you've reached that top of the hill that's like all right I can't go back now 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you have your own, uh, I, I mean, do you, do you make your own voiceover projects too? Do you do your own stuff as well when you're not working? Oh, um, no, voice-wise, I... I don't do anything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't make anything. No, no, I, I, um, you know, the way I approach this whole acting, especially uh, thing, cause cause you know, there's film and there's a bunch of different things you can do in film. Um, yeah. obviously I think I'm moving more towards wanting to produce, uh, projects when it comes to, uh, film and or stage, for example, the improv, uh, that we, mentioned earlier um <clears throat> that was my first uh project that i produced entirely myself and i discovered a true passion for producing um which you know just translates to i discovered i was a control freak um, <laughs> but but that that is what happened i i as much as i loved acting i understood very very early on in my career what how little control i had hmm. and uh that can be a bit disheartening for some people but it was actually a huge relief to me because <laughs> i was like oh you mean all i need to do is show up and just stand here and, and deliver these lines exactly the way you want and i don't have to think about it beyond that and they're like yeah please do that i was like you got it <laughs> <laughs> done <laughs> so yeah so it's, i i really get i enjoy film and tv acting because when i'm doing it i'm not thinking about anything mm. i'm just as soon as they say action i'm just okay i'm like i black out basically and i just do the thing and then they yell cut and i just go sit down and i drink my little juice box and i'm, I'm, I'm good you know <laughs> and it, it's a really it's a really fulfilling experience for me to do that it, because at the end of the day i like being told what to do i do except in a creative context and that's why it confuses people a little bit when it's like well isn't acting creative and i'm like it is but i'm still getting to control my performance but i have to answer the demands of the director or the producers or whoever my boss is whoever's telling me what to do i still need to answer to them but i'm still in control of how i will deliver that so it feels more like a, like a trade skill than an art but producing feels more like an art to me, even though I could say the same. It's it's a skill and an art at the same time. But I think producing is a social art, you know what I mean? And I didn't understand that until I had to put an entire show together together from scratch. So right from picking the performers, picking the the MCs, picking the venue, uh, the the lighting, the music, the the I paid for uh, uniforms and things like that. So, wow. and everything out of pocket, like purely no, no, no third party investments, nothing. Um, I, I just paid for everything. And in the end, and you know, being, and it was my first production and people who had produced shows before were kind of trying to look out for me being like, oh, you know, you don't know how well it's going to do. Like maybe you want to scale it down this time and or maybe you want to, you know, just, just, just be wary of, of some, some unforeseen uh, hurdles. And I, and I, as much as I appreciated their advice, I said, you know, it's really important for me to do this the way that I want it done so that at least if it doesn't work, I'll know exactly where I went wrong and I'll be able to adjust, but I don't want to move in fear of it not working. Yeah. I want to do it the way I, I, I have a very clear vision of what I want this to look like. And that needs to be it. And if that doesn't work, then I'll adjust. And no, it worked great. I made a profit uh, off that show. Oh, that's the, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. we only, and we only did four shows. We only did four shows our first run and four nights and our slowest night, our opening night, we had, I think, uh, like almost, like we had like 120 people show up, which is like at this bar, right? And this bar couldn't even sit that many people like on, on there. So, so it was standing, it was like standing room only for a lot of people. And on our slowest night, we had about 70 people show up or something like that. That's yeah. Fantastic. So I made all my money back. The tickets were only $10 and I, I made all the money back. And then some, I spent the rest on a big dinner for the whole crew and, and stuff. And, um, 
And then a few months later, the venue contacted me and said, yo, you guys want to come back? Hey, they want us to come back. Who's down? And a lot of people were, and we got to do another run there. Yeah, it was great. So that, that experience to me was a game changer because that's what I realized. I said, okay, I, as much as I do love acting, because when I, when I started acting and then it got, I understood that, you know, it's, you're, you're pretty much just there to do what you're told. I said, okay. Yeah. I said, well, I'd, lo- I'd love to try directing. And I've tiptoed around and shadowed a, a couple of directors, not like actually, I just mean like I've worked and I've seen them from, from being an actor. I haven't like actually shadowed a director <laughs> um, ever, but you know, I, I, I see how the job works and it does interest me. It really does. But I, but I can already sense that, um, that, you know, that, that threat looming where it's like, I see them not being able to do what they want to do because they're getting told what to do by someone else as well. Yeah. And it's, I, and I can see the frustration in, in many of them when that happens because they know what's good. They're like, this is awesome. And then they'll, they'll send it. And then the network will be like, no, it's not awesome. It's not what we asked for. Do it again. And they're just like, okay. So seeing that I'm like, I want to direct, but I don't want to, direct uh in the industry you know what i mean i don't want to become yeah. like a tv or or or, or uh, i don't want to become a director for hire because i'm sure i would enjoy it i'm sure but i would lose my mind if i kept running into to situations like that where i feel like something works really well and mm. people who think they know better and um, they might they might but i don't know that i'm I'm pretty steadfast when it comes to creative ideas and the way I like to do things. So I think I'm leaning more towards um, independent production for myself. Um, Will I ever make a a feature? I don't think so. I I, I would like to establish myself as a producer, maybe slash director, but producer mainly so that maybe I can start moving in that direction and, and see what we can do with that. Because, Ultimately, my dream is to make, you know, huge movies like blockbusters and things like that. But I'm, I'm not in any hurry. So I'd rather learn. And 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 reason why I called it a social art again is because I don't think there's anything better you can do in this business than just surrounding yourself with the right people. And defining the right people is is hard to do for a lot of for a lot of folks. But for me, it, it definitely starts with your closest friends. Like if you're, if your closest friends are people who are moving in a way that you look up to and, and, and are doing things that you, that you either respect or admire or you want to do, or that, that resonate with you in any sort of way, I think it's a good indicator of you being on the right path, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I if it wasn't for the people that, I surround myself with like truth be told and and, it, and it's it, I think it's a lot more um what's the word I'm looking for it's it's not as it's not as straightforward as oh I know this person maybe they'll give me a hookup one day if they're doing a film or working on something maybe they'll give me a shout out they'll, they'll drop my name it's like yeah they'll do that because they're your friends but it, it, it goes so much deeper than that. It's a, it's a, it's a matter of lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? So totally. when you're surrounding yourself with people who want the same things you want, just as bad as you want them, well, everything you guys do is going to, is going to concord towards that. Nobody's going to let anybody fall off the wayside and not say anything about it, you know? And those situations do come up when you've been friends with people as long as I have, especially people who are not only your friends, but also your, your peers and your colleagues there's all kinds of dynamics that you run into and, and, and we have to look out for, for each other and in, in, in every, in every sense of the word. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, that's, that's my biggest takeaway from this whole acting journey is like the, the, the people that I, that I've managed to, to forge connections with it's that's, that's truly replaceable because you know, the, the question comes up all the time. Oh, what's your, what's your dream gig or like what's, what's, what's something you would really like to do. And I'm, and I tell people acting wise, I, I'm good. <laughs> like, I <don't, laughs> like I really am. 
I don't need to be a lead in a in a in a 20th century Fox film. I don't need to be a lead on a TV show. Like I don't need to do anything more than what I've already done. Because people ask me, you know, it's like, oh, like Exorcist. That was that was a dream role for me. Resident Alien, same thing. So yeah. how many more of those do I want? <laughs> you know, I'll take them. I'll take them all. But it's like, oh, like what's your dream role? It's like, well, I've pretty much done it. You know, you can you can find. I, I and I was, I've been saying I've been saying that for a long time. Like even when I did Adventures in Public School, I remember doing that and being so wanting that role so bad so so bad it's like i can fucking kill this like please 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 give it to me and then they did and i was like yeah <laughs> and, I did. and that was you know six years ago so <laughs> but it was it was still it was still that level like when i did it i know i knew i was doing something special even the, even the short film that i did uh cypher for a local uh short film competition that movie was amazing to do. It was just a three-day shoot for a short, and uh, a lot of people in town still talk about that movie to me today. And I'm like, yeah, that movie no was way. awesome. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah, I was, I was out the other day with a friend, and I was leaving a, a restaurant, and this guy just accosted me. He's like, "Hey, you were in that short film, right?" Like, yeah, that was me. Like, oh, great, cool. I was like, okay, yeah, thanks. That's thanks. awesome. I'm, I'm famous. Cool. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no it's it, yeah i'm i, I it's so it's it's i think it's a very fortunate perspective to have especially when you're you know we we know we know who we are here in vancouver we know we know we're not la so so when when i when i look back on on my career and i see all the things i've i've, I've had the chance to do yeah i i'm i'm nothing but grateful so everything else kind of feels like a victory lap to me i'm just like okay if my career ends tomorrow, it'll be a shame, but I won't be, I won't, I don't think I'll be too broken up about it yeah. in the sense where I've done it. You know what I mean? Like I always, I always talked about becoming an actor when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and then living here for the last 10 years has been about, can I do it or not? Mm -hmm. And when I look back on the last 10 years, it's like, well, yeah, you did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's almost like I'm starting over. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say, man, you, you've achieved what a lot of people are trying to essentially get to, at least from where I'm at, where, you know, especially in Denver here, we have such a tight knit community that, you know, it's not about the movie star thing has gone away. It's been gone for like 10 years, right? Uh, no one wants to be a star. And if you do like, good for you, but yeah, most of us just, we want to work, find characters we can connect oh, exactly. with and, and, and enjoy. Like it's a good job. People. That's the, yeah. thing, at the end of the day. It's yeah. a great job. Like I love that job. If I could do that, I mean, not every day, but <laughs> <laughs> if I could act on set once a week, oh, there you go. <laughs> once a week, all year long. See, yes. I would do, I would do that. Yeah. I would do that. But the reality is, you know, you work two or three days a week for six months straight if you're on the biggest role of your career. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, so yeah, those are those have been really fun. But I, I'm always happy to do, you know, TV movies, whatever. My agents, they'll be like, oh, you know, if you don't like it, you can pass. And I say, I, I I've passed on things on auditions before, but I think I've passed on maybe it's definitely less than 10 uh, auditions in 10 years. Um, and it, and usually it'll just be something that it really doesn't speak to me at all. Hmm. If the material doesn't speak to me, if the, the subject matter doesn't speak to me, I, 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 I will reserve the right to pass, but I, I will rarely pass on things because they're quote unquote, not big enough. I will, I will play almost everything except an extra, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just a different category <laughs> altogether, a background. Level. But when I, when I remember doing Riverdale and um, I don't know how much of this I should say, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> I remember auditioning for uh, my friend Sean's character. So Sean Deppner ended up playing the main antagonist in that group in season four. And I auditioned for that character. And my agent called me and said, they want, they want to hire you on Riverdale. I said, excellent. And she said, you're not getting that character you read for. I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, what do they want me to do? And she said, you're, you're this character, Jonathan. And I just, I just said, who's Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> she said, I don't know. He's a guest star. I said, okay. 
Um, he has a few lines in the first episode. He's got two episodes guaranteed, but you know, it's Riverdale. So we never know how many you're going to get. And I, I've been auditioning for Riverdale since it started. So I'm sitting there. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, well, do I want to take this guy who's going to be in two episodes of Riverdale and not be an important character? Not because it's not big enough for me. I said, well, the show's going on forever. So I can just hold out for a better part. There you go. And then she told me how much money they were offering me. And I said, just take it. Just take it. <laughs> just, <laughs> just take it. I don't care. I don't care. And I spent six months shooting Riverdale. Two episodes turned into 12. And I maybe had 12 lines spread across those 12 oh episodes. God. It was the best one of the best shooting experiences of my entire life it was so much fun dude i got to go to work every like two three days a week long ass days and i didn't have to remember anything (laughs) i was just (laughs) hanging out and i was working with all the people that i knew so sarah desjardins and dorlin all the people who played the the stony cronies um i knew all those people before we all got cast so we all showed up to set it was like oh so I got to carpool with Doralyn like every every time we worked because we were always together. She and I were paired off together often. So every time we had work, we would meet up at the train station and she would just drive me uh, to, to set. And it was, it was glorious. Six months. It was amazing. And then I, then I got Resident Alien while I was on Riverdale. So then it was like a perfect little springboard. Holy crap. And was that a direct offer or, or was that a... Oh, no, no. Okay. What do you think I am? <laughs> i don't know i have i've never worked in canada so i have no idea like oh, you know, oh it could no be. there are no direct <laughs> okay good uh, I just wanted for, to for me anyways no 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 <laughs> um i did i i mean i was offered the role of jonathan after reading for for brett and yeah i mean that i'm glad they didn't make me audition for jonathan i will give them that riverdale actually really showed me a lot of uh of respect uh during during the entire process even right up until the point they had to write me out of the show because i was starting resident alien um uh no they were they were amazing people to work with honestly i i i loved every day i spent on that show long short whatever and uh like i said it's like they they offered me a part they knew i could play um it was a tiny part but they never made it feel like that you know and they always the writers and the producers were always very involved with our characters. Even like I said, we weren't saying anything, but they would take the time, they would take the time to go out of their way and come and see us. Like, you guys are doing a really good job. <laughs> like, oh yeah, thanks, man. I'm like, this is great. This is I wish every day was like this. This is awesome. But um, yeah, when I when I did Resident Alien, I <laughs> the day I had to do my Resident Alien callback, I was on set on on Riverdale, and um, they have they're so far out that there's not really any internet there um there is but it just doesn't work like super well Mm. not well enough to have a video callback so they said well you can can he come in and said no he's on set it's like okay um can he do his uh this was before covid so zoom wasn't a thing do skype or whatever (laughs) it was like uh yeah okay he'll do a skype and i'm i'm there like i can't do a skype i i (laughs) there's no (laughs) no internet here and i tried i tried to find around the studio uh time to to do it and couldn't do it and then i ended up becoming friends with one of the producers uh during the course of the shoot and i just grabbed him during lunch break and i said hey i need to do a callback right now for a show uh, i don't know what to do but they want me to they want me online like in five minutes and he was like okay, come with me. And then he, he hops <laughs> in a van and then we drive to the office of the creator of Riverdale, Roberto. And he's like, yeah, we'll do it in here. And he read, he read for me that this executive producer of Riverdale read opposite me during this callback for Resident Alien. And the Chris Sheridan was on that call as well and everything. And uh, yeah. And then, and then I, I got, I got the role and they, they, they gave me one last little goodbye on Riverdale and, and I disappeared <laughs> and I was on resident alien. Yeah, it was pretty good. That, that year was crazy. And then I did the hundred also that year, which again, another show that I've auditioned for since the pilot. <laughs> and, and finally, seven years later, I got on in the middle of two other shows and it was, it was, that was a special, that was definitely a special moment in, in my uh, career for sure. That, that felt like a lot of things were 
happening all at once. And it was super fun. Yeah. It's, it sounds because everyone thinks if you aren't getting cast within the first couple of years, like, and you're, you're still auditioning that you're not doing anything, but you're building that rapport with CDs and other people who may remember you. And you, you said seven years in, that's when, boom, this just hit like a ton of bricks. Yeah. 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 That's it was like it was just raining, raining yeah. gigs. It was crazy, and like people were like fighting over me. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I tell, I like to remind uh, my fellow actors, uh, like I'm some kind of sensei. No, but I, I, I do because I hear I hear that complaint from from people, people who maybe don't have as many years as I do, or just kind of frustrated with where they're at. Yeah. And it's oftentimes, it, it happens to people who are auditioning a lot and not getting and not booking. And I, I, what I say to them, I remind them, I say, you know, your job is actually to audition. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is your job. You just don't get paid for it. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, what do you spend most of your time doing? Like auditioning? Well, that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> like when, when you stop auditioning and, and you're only on set all the time, that'll be your job. But right now, this is your job. And as long as you, as long as you keep getting them, it means you're doing it well. Yeah. So there's nothing else you can really ask for until you get the gig and you will get the gig it's a numbers game at the end of the day like i don't know a single person who auditions you know who's auditioned consistently for years and years and years and has never booked anything like casting would just not waste time with you if if they never managed to book you on anything after like five years they'd be like maybe you need to quit (laughs) or maybe (laughs) we need to stop bringing maybe we need to stop bringing you in one of one of the two needs to happen you know yeah so yeah it's it's you really have to just put the pedal to the metal and head down, just go, 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 because that's the, you can't think of, of this career in terms of milestones. I think that's the, that's, that's kind of not the death of, but it's, it's the bane of many actors that I know. It's like, a friend of mine she's struggling to get her first booking and she keeps saying oh i i just i want to get my first booking i just want to get my first booking and i tell her yeah then what (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly you're gonna get that first booking and you're gonna go right back to feeling exactly the way you feel now so you can't think of it that way you have to you have to just project yourself so far into the future that it doesn't matter it's like you know, where I'm at now in my career isn't even as far as I thought I would be by this point. But it doesn't matter because there were points where I would get to, like, let's say The Exorcist, you know, getting my first near series regular. That's where I thought I would be two years in. (laughs) But it took (laughs) seven years, like six years. You know what I'm saying? So knowing that, it's like, oh, okay getting there felt great and it was like yes like finally I'm, I'm i'm gonna be like i'm gonna get a big role on a show it's gonna be dope and i was able to enjoy that and i enjoyed every minute of it but i wasn't marrying that to being like hey okay now this means that i'm gonna everything's gonna keep going up 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 and like i said once it was over it was the toughest one of the toughest years of my whole career after the exorcist like it was so slow i couldn't get anything i couldn't get a job to save my life whereas leading up to the exorcist i was booking left right and center hey (laughs) a couple days here a couple days there uh, who cares you know a little movie here it was dope and then yeah and then it became a lot more serious and i was like oh shit gotta gotta keep my keep gotta stay on my toes (laughs) and yeah so right now where i'm at like getting to do work on amazing projects um like resident alien um i'm a huge sci-fi fan so getting an alan tudyk obviously is a legend so getting to share the screen even though not often with him yeah. has been a dream come true and i uh, animation wise too you know i just i've had a show on netflix coming out um this year i think and i think next month i'm not sure I don't know. oh is it next month I, already i have no idea to be honest they haven't told they, they haven't told me <laughs> of course they, they, they have like <laughs> well yeah they like to just release the, the the release date like a couple of weeks before the show yeah. comes out or whatever but that to me you know the whole my whole voice acting journey my dream has always been to be able to play the main character in a show and like there it is i, I did it so um 
after that, I'm like, what, 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 what else do I, what else am I supposed to ask for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> even if the show doesn't do well, which I really hope it does. And I think it yeah. will, especially in the, in the demographic that it's meant for, but let's say the show unfortunately doesn't do well at all. Well, I did my best, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's all I can ask for. And, and again, at this point, everything else that I get after that, I'm like, cool. It's victory lap. And, and I, and I want to stay, I want this, I want these jobs to remain my jobs because like I said, I want to get into more creative endeavors and be able to write and produce and, and make films myself with people that I want to work with people that I choose to work with, but I need, I need to pay my bills and I need to, to, you know, pay for my lifestyle, which is not cheap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I need, I need, I need good jobs. I need a good yeah. job. And, and fortunately for me, I have a, I have the best job in the world. I, I, I really, as far as clocking in, coming into work and putting in your time and going home, like I, I can't think of a better, a better gig than, than what I do now. So yeah. that's, that's a gift, man. That's, yeah, that's, it's amazing. And is there, we've, we've talked about, you know, your career and, and the job, but is there anything you like to do outside of, you know, the arts industry that like kind of keeps you cool or allows you to decompress after working on set? Yeah, I'm a huge gamer. Ah, there you go. Unfortunately, I'm not good at, I'm not very good, but, <laughs> but I play so much. Oh, I, I play way, but I, I, I usually play uh, like single player games, like uh, role playing oh. games, yeah. things like that. That's what I'm really into. Um, as far as competitive games go, I I'm not even mid tier. I'm low tier. Like I'm, I'll get the mechanics of the game and I'll know how to play it. Yeah. I might be, I might end up being second or third best out of my friend group, but out of my friend group, maybe only four people will play the game. <laughs> um, like I play Street Fighter and I'm not great at it, but nobody in my entourage plays it at all except like maybe one of my buddies that I see once in a while and we play and we get so competitive about it that it's not good for us to play it too often. <laughs> but now we're, I think my friends are recently, we're getting back into Mario Kart. Um, oh, so yeah. yeah, that's going to be the big one for the summer. I think we're going to be doing a lot of karting and I'm, I'm pretty good at Mario Kart. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not like world class but I'm, <laughs> i i can i can definitely give you a run for your money um i we did a tournament here a few years back like a local tournament <laughs> only, there were only like six people in it but in like half of that group was me and my friends that i play all the time with yeah. and my girlfriend at the time i think we were already broken up but our like half of our relationship at least consisted of her just whooping my ass at mario kart <laughs> And then the new Mario Kart came out and I was like, it's a new game. We're going to be on an equal playing field. We were not. She just beat, she beat on all of us, like all the time. And in that tournament, we, we signed up and it's like a, it was like a fresh version of the game. So she didn't have her character unlocked or she didn't have her right vehicle unlocked. Whereas I was using a generic character with a generic vehicle the whole time. So I had my shit. So I won, I won the tournament. <laughs> And to this day, I saw her just um, a few weeks back. We had a party at my place and and we played Mario Kart and we just kept bringing it up to her. It was like, remember that tournament that I won? <laughs> you lost. And I was like, yeah, I'll always have that. I'll always have that. No, it was ridiculous because we played GameCube when we were dating and we played Double Dash and it was her game. It was her yes. GameCube, her game. And she was so good at it, like so absurdly good. And I became really good at it because she was teaching me, showing me how to play. And at, at the end, like the last phase of, of that part of our relationship, I, we were racing like neck and neck all the time, but she would always beat me. She would always beat me, you know, with, with a couple of races left in the, in the tournament. It was like 16 races, right? So it didn't take very long, but I would always lose. I think I've beaten her maybe six times, if that. But I remember there was one time where it came down to the last race. I think we were tied going into it. And I was like, all right, here we go, here we go. And we finished the race at the exact same time, down to the thousandth of a second, because the, the game tells you what your time is. And it was the, like the game, there was no difference in the, in the time in the game. And yeah, because there's tenths, hundreds, yeah, thousands. To yeah. the thousandth of a second, it was the same time. And she still beat me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I was, I don't think I, 
I got so mad. I, I think I just blacked out. I got so angry, dude. I was so angry. It was, it was, yeah. Couldn't even look at her. <laughs> like grabbing the bathroom sink, hiding away. Oh, man. I couldn't believe it. Because I, I, cause up until that point, yeah, I was always feeling like the game favored her. I was like, I feel like the game just likes you better than me. I, I feel like you don't go through the same kind of pain that I go through when I'm playing. And then that, to me, was like, the, the the miraculous evidence evidence sent from above that was just like no the game does hate me because she's like well no obviously i went just that much faster than you i'm like where's the proof how do you, you she's like well the proof is there i won i'm like nope nope bring up the code let's look at exactly, the code exactly exactly i want to see that next digit show me the next digit you can't show me we're we're done Broke up with her that day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is it. We're gonna play one round of Goldeneye, and I swear to God. Yeah. yeah. If you shoot me, no. <laughs> no, I'd say I'd say that's a great way to decom. We uh we have a an N60. Well, my girlfriend sells her N64 from uh, when she oh, was a kid. So we'll play nice. Mario Kart or a Goldeneye, and she whoops my ass at both of yeah. those. Uh, I just can't. But you know, we fire up Halo and. I'll I'll go all day. Like I'm good. This <laughs> does she play? Does she play Halo with you? She she had never really played before me. So we started playing and she got better. And I okay. started getting nervous. I'm like, all right, she's starting to ascend a little bit. But then I realized oh, I have all those little tricks up my sleeve. Yeah. We could, yeah, yeah. We could use from teenage years. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, dude, that's that's a great way to I'm glad you brought up Mario Kart because we uh, we just played it too. But uh yeah, I feel, I feel like maybe we have touched on on a few of those, but in every episode. I love asking our guests uh, if they have a party story they could share with us. Something that may have happened in the arts industry or in your life. Just a, an experience or moment that happened that has stuck with you for so long you could always tell it at a party. Do you have something you could you could share? You could redact names. Oh, to- a party story. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, I see. I, th- I thought you meant a story that happened at a party. I was Every, like, yeah. <laughs> I need um, to change the way I ask that because yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't I go to like, parties much. I don't think much. I can say any of those. <laughs> Um, too much cocaine too much cocaine oh man that's a good question um yeah i got a, i got a party story it's actually a pretty <laughs> pretty funny one so i was working at the movie theater um here down, downtown vancouver and a lot of celebrities like to go to that movie theater so it's right across the street from the sutton place hotel where a lot of celebrities will stay or not just celebrities but actors who get mm-hmm. flown in from out of town will often be put up there and it's right across the street from the movie theater so I was working there and it was the end of a set. So how movie theaters work is like, you know, there's sets during the day. And so you, between sets, you have to prep for the next, you have to clean and then you have to prep for the next set. So it was the very end of a set. Everybody had gone into their movies. So we were just serving stragglers and starting our cleanup. And <laughs> it was just me and this one other guy, uh, my friend working the, the, the their cash registers. And <laughs> there was like, I know there weren't any customers and then Ray Liotta shows up <laughs> and he, oh. he walks up to, to, to the counter and I see him walking up and I'm like, Oh man, I hope he comes up to my cash register. Like, that'd be so cool. And he goes up to my friend's cash register and I'm like, okay, whatever. And <laughs> I end up getting another customer and I'm looking at my friend and he's trying to take Ray's order. And Ray orders a small popcorn with layered butter and that's pretty much it. And he's like, yeah, you know, uh, can I get the butter like in the middle or that thing you do? He's like, oh, yeah, you want layer that layered. That's right. That's what I want. And the guy's like, okay, okay. And he's punching it in and I'm looking at, I'm out of the corner of my eye because I'm helping someone as well, but I'm looking out of the corner of my eye and I see his eyes, my friend's eyes are like ping pong balls. They're like wide as, as can be as he's trying to do this. So I'm like, okay, he's freaking out. <laughs> he's freaking out. So in his mouth is like half open. He's just like, uh. And so he punches in the thing and he's like, all right, I'll get you popcorn. And then he turns around and he goes to, and, and I see him at the popcorn, like uh, dispenser or whatever. And he starts putting in the popcorn and I can see that he's not putting in the butter. And I'm just like, oh, dude, like, don't. And then Ray notices and he's like, hey, Hey, I said layer it, layer it, okay. And then he, he's like, my friend just jumps, 
like, spills all the popcorn back into the thing and he's just shaking. He's just like, oh my God, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's, he's dumping the, he's like layering the butter and everything. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is such a nightmare. Like I feel so bad for him. And then meanwhile, this man that I'm serving, he turns to Ray Liotta and he's like, hey, uh, are you Ray Liotta? <laughs> and Ray is like, yeah, 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 I am. He's like, oh, I saw your last movie there, uh, Killing Them Softly. Oh, yeah. Ray says, oh, yeah, what'd you think? The guy looks at me and he goes, eh. <laughs> And Ray just starts laughing. He's like, yeah, yeah, I thought it was all right. He says, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care for the ending too much. They say, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it was okay. It was a good movie, it was whatever. They're like, yeah, cool. Then my friend finally gets the popcorn uh, sorted out. He brings it to Ray, and Ray's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Whips out a money clip and just starts <laughs> whipping out cash and stuff. And then, <laughs> then he's done paying. He gets his change. He grabs his popcorn. He walks away, and the movie theater is made in such a way that there's only one theater that we can see directly from the, the counter that we're working at. Yeah. And it's the number one theater. And he, he walks right into that theater. And what was playing there that day was the 3d re-release of finding Nemo. <laughs> and he just went, he's like, now I'm, I'm seeing finding Nemo today. Bro. It's going down. 3d. Absolutely. Like I just I was that was one of my favorite, favorite memories from working in the movie theater. I was like, oh, oh that's and cool. It was great because it was just the two of us that was that were there to witness that. Like nobody else was there because everybody was just off. So yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Mr. Goodfellas himself. Oh dude, in the trench coat. Like, dude, it was it was it was perfect. It was like something out of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just like goes to show. Sorry, <laughs> no. I say it just goes to show that we're we're all just human. Right? Oh, absolutely, like, absolutely. Like, yeah, of but it's like, of course, he loves finding. Oh, yeah, who doesn't. <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah, I do love the how just frightened your buddy was. Like he oh, knew dude, who he was terrified, dealing with. Terrified. <laughs> I couldn't. Do, I, I wanted to help him, but I couldn't. Yeah, I was just like, dude, gotta get the butter, man. <laughs> Well, and like Ray has such a distinctive voice, I can hear him saying, "Hey, hey," you know. Like, yeah, yeah, that... yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was just going in on him. I was like, "Oh no!" He's, just, oh, yeah, it's, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, um, I love that story. That's awesome. Yeah. I. Uh... <laughs> it's hard to segue from that to to one of our last questions, but uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit before. But do you have any? sort of advice that you've absorbed from somebody else in the industry or maybe something that uh, that you witnessed, uh, any piece of advice for other arts workers maybe listening who want to start in the industry or uh, are, like you said, trying to maintain after, you know, 10 yeah. or so years. Do you have anything uh, as far as advice goes that you could, you know, instill? Yeah, upon? sure, sure. I mean, I think um, what I mentioned before about like surrounding yourself with the right people, I think that's like the number one thing you can do really got to surround yourself with like-minded individuals who are whose goals are aligned with yours and also complement yours in a in a natural way so that you want to spend time with these people you want to work with these people you want to do well for and with these people um and obviously anyone who's who's has who has more experience than you and who's willing to impart a little bit of of experience or knowledge uh with you or to you rather um that's always a, it's always a good idea to listen you don't have to take it take the advice but it's always a good idea to hear them out and see what speaks to you what makes sense to you because there will be something that makes sense to you and my last piece of advice i guess would be in terms of training it's like there are no qualifications for this job. If you're, if you've got all your limbs and you're breathing, you've already got a pretty good shot. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to training, I tell people, you know, go where you feel the best. So if you, if you thrive off of, you know, classical training, do that. If you thrive off of scene study, do that improv, do it, do it. Whatever makes you feel like you're being the best actor you can be, do it. But don't feel like you have to do anything 
because you literally don't yeah <laughs> like, like <laughs> you you have the you have the chance it's like i don't really want to go train and i don't really want to study and i don't really want to read up on any actors or acting techniques from stanislavski and all that it's like you don't have to you 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 don't have to at all like you can just you can just freestyle it <laughs> you know so that's my advice to people it's just it's just go where you feel where you're at your best because if if staying at home watching movies is how you you know train that's just that's valid that's very valid because at the end of the day you're trying to do what only you can do you're not trying to imitate uh, anybody else even though you know you can't you can't you as much as you can get close to someone's tone and everything by imitation it's never going to be quite the, the, exactly the same hmm. and you know at that point imitation becomes an art form onto its own but we all we all inspire ourselves from performances that we've seen that's no secret yeah. so yeah just just get your inspiration where you can inspire yourself to, to 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 keep going because at the end of the day this business model is designed to make you want to quit <laughs> so don't, oh absolutely <laughs> so don't forget that and whenever you feel like quitting remember that that's the whole point <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well uh along with that man is there anything i can like promote with this episode is anything as far as uh maybe something that's coming out soon maybe something that uh you really yeah, care I mean, about it's anything you've done um, obviously, um, uh, resident alien, uh, is in its mid season hiatus, I believe right now. So uh, anybody wants to check that out first eight episodes are right out, I believe. Um, and yeah, the, the, my, uh, new Netflix animation series, uh, Daniel spellbound should be releasing sometime this summer. I'm hoping next month, but I, I'm not sure exactly. Fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, those are the, the, the two for now i'm working on a couple of other animation projects that haven't that have just started so haven't really been released yet but those are going to be really cool too um but yeah no that's that's right now we're just uh we're just living it up getting ready for the summer man just going with it that's awesome yeah. well the the final thing uh i'll do before we stop this recording well first i want to thank you again this has been oh, thank you. a lot of fun just chatting with you man and yeah and no, more about your story no, great uh i <laughs> have you seen wayne's world i have not okay no. well my last thing i do for every episode is uh the awkward goodbye where i count down from three and then when i point give me your best awkward goodbye and then we stop okay. the recording <laughs> okay okay so it could be could be verbal could be non-verbal i mean it's it's audio based so you can do anything you want but if that's okay. something you're up for it's the last thing we're gonna do for this episode you ready okay. yeah let's do it all right man in Oh, goodbye there, Tyler. <laughs>